This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Labracaro, and this episode's guest is Mia Folick. Mia Folick is a special talent. She sometimes writes with incredible insight and complexity and intricacy, and sometimes she writes just with pure emotion. And then also sometimes she blends the two and always seems to do it perfectly. That's not to mention that she has an unbelievable voice and vocal range that is equally as good live as it is on record. I am very much in awe of Mia as an artist and a performer and songwriter, and it was such a pleasure to get to interview her about her latest record, Roach. It's an album that I quite frankly relate to very much. Um, She wrote it largely about, you know, early adulthood, you know, things that she's experienced throughout her 20s and now into her early 30s, things that, you know, have to deal with depression and anxiety, things that I've also experienced. And just all in all, the record deals with a lot of the growth that she went through and that I think we all go through in this period of our life, the mistakes that we make, the fears that we have, the changes we have to, you know, face and challenges that we have to overcome. And it's a record that I'm really happy exists because I feel very seen by it and I know that other people do too. I also know that it's something that is very important to me that people feel seen by her music and that comes from her being willing to be open. It's something that she'll talk about in our interview and you'll get to hear from. Um, I'm really excited for you to get to hear this one, as I am with any episode that I put out. And I think I'll leave it at that. And I will leave you in the hands of this conversation I had with Mia Folick. I guess what I wanted to start by saying is... For me, like as a listener, this album was kind of like looking in a mirror a lot. Um, there's a lot of things that I saw myself in, which as a as a consumer, as a fan of music, if you will, was profoundly cathartic. Um, so thank you for that, I think is where I'd want to start. Or that's what I'd like to start by saying. Um, thank you for saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's always so interesting to me. And I want to know more about what you related to. (laughs) But I'm almost like, let's talk about you. (laughs) Deflection. (laughs) Um, I'm like, I already talked about myself. I talked about it on the record. It's your turn now. But I think like, I, uh, but yeah, thank you for saying that. Um, I feel like that's why I put music out. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that it's such a like, I mean, it's a profoundly honest and profoundly vulnerable record, obviously, um, which hopefully is cathartic for you as a creator. But I think 
the beauty of this kind of writing, again, speaking from a consumer perspective, is when people are so unabashedly honest, um, we really do get to feel seen and heard from a level that we might not always get to because, you know, like it's really getting into the nitty gritty of things, things that maybe people don't tend to want to talk about. And to be able to recognize that and be like, oh, someone else has lived through this, as cliche as it is to say it, it's important and it feels really powerful. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that I feel like that's what, um, that definitely feels good to hear was what I was trying to do. It's just be honest. Yeah. Well, kind of, I guess kind of on that note, there's a quote that I read about the record that, again, another thing that I, I really related to because I, so I have OCD, so I overthink the living shit out of anything and everything. And there was a quote where you said, somehow simple things feel huge and hard for me. And I feel like that's such a big part of this record and so many of the themes that kind of weave through that. Would you say that's fair, I guess? Oh, yeah. I I think... I, I think I definitely... I think it's it's really interesting because I... I overthink things and underthink things <laughs> and I think struggle to find that balance of like the appropriate amount of thinking <laughs> because I'm either doing things really impulsively or I'm thinking so much I can't do anything and I think that that well I do that less now but I did that so much in my 20s and that's a lot of what the record is about is like that finding that balance of what is the appropriate amount of forethought that I should put into things or to put into an interaction or to put into a life choice because yeah I think I swing in both directions I'm like rash and chaotic and also extremely careful and scared so I think that's kind of what what the theme of my 20s is. Yeah. Yeah, well, as a person who is in their 20s, I, I feel that. I think actually, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm a, probably a similar combination. Um, sort of, but not really, I guess, speaking on, on this idea of searching for balance. Before, because like by the end of the record, and we'll talk about this, there is more talk of that balance and more like trying to, either trying to find it or finally starting to achieve it. There's a couple songs on this record, including the first song, where it almost feels like you're looking for answers outside of yourself rather than kind of talking more about the internal work. Like, oh God, it's like, again, do I need God? Like, is that, again, is that a fair way to look at that song? Or I think that... Yeah, there is an external an externality to it, but I think God is also I don't really believe in like a God outside of myself. Not that I believe that I am God, but I do think that like if there is going to be a higher power, it is absolutely made up in our heads, <laughs> which is not bad. Like I think that but all, I think to me, it's either like there's a collective energy in the world that I think of as God 
or, but whatever it is, I'm making it up in my mind. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which is still powerful. And I think when people together collectively decide to rely on a God that they've agreed is the God, that they've all agreed on the same God, it's still in our heads. (laughs) Like, I think it's all... So many things, I mean, now I'm just going on a total tangent, but so many things that we agree upon as communities we've made up. And and I think that that's kind of what God is for many communities. Um, And then there's part of myself that's like, I leave space for there to be a true God that is like a deity who exists and has some sort of like, um, omnipotence, but like I leave room for the magic, like possibly that's true. I'm not saying it's not, but I think when I think, Oh God is definitely a song about my internal life even though there is this like searching or seeking or something outside, it's, it's me questioning how can I create some order in this chaos that is my brain. And maybe if I had some sort of, um, some sort of like guide that I could rely upon. And I think that to me, religion just seemed like a it's just like set guidelines that you can just follow um to create some just like order in the universe of my head but yeah that's not really what I ended up doing but I think that at that time I was like maybe I should yeah maybe I should believe in God um But I think more than that, what's interesting about that song is like you can interpret it so many different ways. And there's actually been a lot of people who have reached out and been like, oh, God really spoke to me because I have all this religious trauma because I grew up in a very religious Christian household. And um, that's so interesting to me because that's completely not my experience at all. My experience is growing up in a Buddhist household where we, like, there was really no talk of God. There was, it wasn't like we don't believe in God. It wasn't necessarily atheist. It was more agnostic. It was just like, we're Buddhist. We don't talk about God. It just doesn't really matter to us. Um, where was I going with this? So anyway, to me, what that song was more than, more than actually being about God, it was To me, it was more about being so run down on the path that you're going down and just realizing that the way that you're operating and the way that you're um, approaching your life is so wrong and tiresome and not working anymore that you are willing 
to try anything. <laughs> and to me, because I grew up in like so removed from God, I think to me, like to try anything is like maybe religion, you know, <laughs> maybe this thing that I thought was totally made up. Maybe actually there's something in that that I shouldn't be judgmental about because maybe it works for people because it gives them some sort of sense of belonging or purpose. And I was seeking that. So to me, it's more about how lost and without purpose I felt and not necessarily about like religion. It was, it was more of that, like, well, maybe I should try religion, you know, Just yeah. like, like, but like a little bit, like actually not totally serious about it. I totally get it. Cause a few years ago when I was going through, um, frankly, like very existentially based depression, um, and I'm not the most spiritual person <laughs> either, um, I remember feeling envious of people that had faith or like that had really strong faith. Cause even though like, for example, like I'm heavily critical of like Christian fundamentalism and stuff like that. And I know people also with religious trauma. So like, I don't want to necessarily be part of that world, but I still weirdly found myself jealous of those people. It's like, you have this sort of preset external purpose. That's like, yeah, like when you're like, what, how do I make sense of everything that's happening around me? How do I make sense of my life? They're like, okay, you got, you have that. I don't. Um, and right now I feel so fucking lost that I wish I had that, but also I don't. So, cause like, again, even ultimately now I've never actively subscribed to any of that, but I understand that feeling of, I think on that sort of healing journey, it's like a weird pit stop that you might make of just like, like you said, maybe God, maybe that's what I need. I don't know. You know? Yeah. And I think that, oh man, I, my depression is very existential. Um, and I think what I've discovered or been shown, um, I didn't, find it all alone is just like what is the most helpful for me is to just stop focusing on myself start focusing on other people and like give 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 my energy away and that not not in a way that's like sucks me dry um that's like the only thing that really helps I think God is still difficult for me or it isn't even that difficult. I just don't do it. I'm just not. Sometimes I'll like, I think I'm, I think I'm spiritual and that I feel quite connected to like energies and I, I tap into that or experience that through like movement or dance, or yoga, or meditation, or music, um, through, like, laughing with my friends, <laughs> no, through, like, experiencing nature, um, that's, that's what feels spiritual to me, and then I think I'm also, like, a sucker for certain religious um 
like certain religious um, traditions. Like I I enjoy religious music sometimes, or like going, you know. My partner's family is Jewish, and I went to the High Holidays with his dad, and I like it. I just like it. Like, There's- everyone wore white, and we sang songs, and I liked it. You know? <laughs> and I, I like the idea of a Sabbath. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea to be reminded of holiness I don't think that I, I don't want all the rules um I don't do well with, with rules but but I do like the idea of it like here's a day we're gonna call the day holy rather than call a place or a building holy it's a day it's time-based and everyone can participate like I think that's kind of a cool idea a lot of what you've said now about like finding joy in these little things and and kind of joy in community and human practices. There's a lot of that in the final three songs of, of this record. Um, but it's funny, like, talking about, you know, going from focusing more on yourself to now focusing more on others. The songs on this record that really focus on sort of self-indulgence, so I kind of put them under the excess category, so bad thing, drugs are people, tetherball, even as like you're talking about being self-centered on these songs, I feel like you come across as very self-aware and like you're kind of trying to protect other people in these songs at the same time, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I have always suffered from self-awareness and I say that because I think that self-awareness can be a um if all you have is self-awareness I think sometimes that prohibits you from realizing that you need to go to the next step of like um responsibility and like, Mm. like taking responsibility and actually do something about it. Um, yeah, I think that in, in, in talking to other people who I think resonate with this, so I don't think I'm alone in this. I think when you're very good at, at seeing yourself or you're a person who's like, Um, I don't want to say self-conscious, but just like very, yeah, a bit self-conscious or a bit like self, I think self-awareness can be a self-consciousness. I think it's a defense mechanism sometimes. It's like, if I catch myself before you do, it's, it's better kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or even just like, yeah, it's like, if I, if I know I'm doing it, then at least if I'm doing something bad, at least I know. And um, I think there's, I think that I tend to have like this fear of being, I have a fear of there being a, um, like a, 
a gap between the way that I see myself and the way that other people see myself. So I want like my self-reflection to be the same as everyone else's reflection of me. And so if I can see all of my flaws, then if other people see them too, then at least it's like balanced and we both know. I think my, I, my biggest fear is that like everybody else sees me, sees this like huge flaw in me that I didn't know about. like I just want to know and this is this is a big part of my my personality or my neuroses I'm not really sure what it is but like I just want to know everything like I want to know and I, I mean I think like the people closest to me and my managers in particular definitely know this about me I'm just like if something bad is happening, I want to know, not like horrible, but like if we're having trouble with this or somebody, somebody is upset, I want to know. I don't want to be, I don't, I'm not the kind of person who's like, take care of it. I don't want to know anything. <laughs> I want to know everything. Um, and, and I think that that it's like a control thing. It's absolutely a control thing. Um, And I'm, I think that that's kind of where I am right now in my life is like, that's the main thing that I'm trying to let go of. Is this like trying to control everything, trying to control the way people perceive me, um, trying to control every element of my life and every element of my career and like, cause I can't. Yeah. (laughs) So it only, it only leads to distress in my mind because it doesn't really do it. Like there's nothing I can do about most things. Most things are just like luck. Like if you, you know, whatever. But, um, what were you talking about? We were talking about a lot of things, but I'm kind of glad that you, you got us to here because this idea of, of self-awareness. Yes, we yeah, started with self-awareness. Yeah. It's, it's a thorn in my side. <laughs> I feel it. I, I've done the same thing and through therapy. I'm slowly digging myself out of that hole, but we're not there yet. Um, but the reason I'm sticking on this idea of like wanting to control how people see you and trying to figure out how to let that go. First of all, um, well, there's a song I want to bring up in that regard, but first... It's something I think about for people like in your position that are a public figure in in some capacity, you know, like you have fans, you're you're being seen by a much larger audience than just like a few peers simply because of what you do as a career. And so I feel like that process of letting go what people think of you becomes all the more important because that that idea of being perceived is so amplified. So I, th- I don't know. I think it's it's a good lesson and such a crucial lesson to learn and to navigate. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like it, it's... I think when I think about, like, my image or the way that people who listen to my music think of me, it's weird because I, I think that I actually have less of a c- control issues about that. Hmm. I, like... 
I know it's completely out of my control, so I don't really think about it and I don't really care. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> a good thing. Also, like, I think that it's the one place in my life, and maybe this is why I do this job. It's like the one place where I'm just like, oh, but my messiness is part of it. Like, that's, I'm just my main goal. And I think it is kind of important to have one. Like my focus is to be when I think about if there's anything that I can say is like has remained um, a through line in my music of like, why do I do this? It's to make people feel seen or to feel less alone. And I think the only way that I can do that is by being honest. And so in my music and at my shows, I don't hide and like I'm sure and I don't know how much people like are aware of this but if I am mad at a show I will play an angry show (laughs) like I will be mad and if I'm sad it's a sad show and I'll cry and if I'm anxious I will be anxious and I think that that's it's kind of the one place other than like my very close relationships where I am just whatever I am in the moment and I'm not like apologizing for it. And that is just what it is. So it's, it's kind of weird. I think the place in which I am a little bit more, um, self-conscious is probably the internet which to me is kind of different from like music or shows. Hmm. And, and I think it's just because it's like, it is image based and that's kind of uncomfortable to me and is something that I have to like navigate a little bit more, um, carefully just cause I, I don't know. And I, and I think I go back and forth, but like, the way that I present myself as a person with a body and a face (laughs) on the internet. Like it's interesting because I do, I like, I enjoy looking hot and that is something that I've come to terms with. Like why stop myself? I like it. It's fun. Um, And at the same time, I'm also a person who's like, I've struggled a lot with, with my image and body image. And I, and I don't like the idea of contributing to, um, somebody else's body image issues. Like, I think that I do get caught up in this idea because I, yeah, I'm, I'm just like, I'm a person who works out a lot because I enjoy that. And also I'm a person who is fairly healthy. I have a certain body type. And I think, um, I don't think that my body type is ideal. And I don't, I, I think I just don't want like a picture of me to make somebody else feel bad about themselves. And I think that because of what, because of the, whatever I am, the, my genetics, whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think, I think I'm just self-conscious about that. Yeah. And so part of me is like, 
Um, just because I know that I've felt that about other people. And I know that I'm, and just not anecdotally, but it's just like, there's so much research about, um, what looking at the internet and looking at certain types of women's bodies, what that does to our brains and our minds and our depression yeah, and, and, and our, and our, yeah, our, our body, like body image issues. Um, so that, like, I think that's not even about like, I think that's a little bit different than what you were asking. Cause that's not necessarily about like controlling how I'm perceived. It's more like me trying not to be, to contribute to like an evil culture mm-hmm. while at the same time being like, I'm just a human who wants to look hot, (laughs) which is okay. Yeah, which is okay. It's totally valid. I mean, (laughs) I'll say this about that as someone who's totally gone through their own like body image journey over the years, like you shouldn't feel the need to hide yourself out of that fear. Um, the sad reality is that no matter who you are, someone else might feel like, oh, I don't look like that or I don't. But as long as you're not like actively pushing, like here's how to look like this and here's this diet or here, yeah. then like be yourself because I found the thing that helped me the most when I've, you know, as my weights fluctuated over the years is I've had short hair, long hair. I've kind of been different versions of what could be considered beautiful to some or not to whatever. I found that the more like diversity that I saw present online, like different types of bodies that were beautiful, um, that gave me permission to kind of love myself in whatever shape I took in that moment. Um, so yeah, be present because you might on the flip side for someone be the, the thing that validates them, like someone who does look similar to you and is like, oh, that is beautiful. So yeah, I, yeah. I can feel totally. valid in that. Yeah. Know? And in that, like in talking about that, it's, um, I, I think it is, it is like, a yeah, on the same kind of in this, like on the flip side of what I was talking about, I also grew up, um, where there like wasn't a ton of representation of people who looked like me. And now there's definitely more, which is really cool. And, but I think every once in a while, somebody will come up to me and be like, um, I'm, I'm half Asian too. And like, you know, either if they're closer to my age, they'll be like growing up, I never saw anybody who looked like us, who was like an indie, (laughs) an indie artist, um, or sometimes it'll be somebody younger who is just like, I love that you're like, you look like me and I, or not that we look the same, but that like, we're, we we're both half Asian or something like that. So I, I also think about that a lot. Um, and then I think there's also, um, I think I feel more comfortable with, I feel so comfortable in my body now, like way more than I did when I was younger. 
And it's because I eat and (laughs) treat myself well. And it's so interesting that I was like so much more self-conscious about myself um, in my 20s when I like under ate and probably looked like I did. And I and was like at the thinnest I had ever been. Um, I think that's when I felt the most self-conscious about being photographed because I was like, I know what I'm doing to myself is bad and I don't want other people to think that this is good because I know this is not good and I think that now I'm like I know I know that I feed myself and I I eat when I'm hungry and I feel good about that and I feel strong and so I don't really have something I don't really have anything to hide and I think that um that's made like being photographed and being looked at a lot easier because I'm just like that yeah this is just me I think everything that we've just talked about actually tees us up really well for to talk about nothing to see because mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like everything that you said kind of exists there like I mean there's literally like talk of losing weight I mean that's particularly geared towards like a specific person but yeah I don't know if what you would like if you'd want to add on that but I don't know I feel like it lines up well with everything that we've just talked about yeah that song is so sad (laughs) it's just so stupid and and I I say that in like a non-judgmental way just like dumb (laughs) um the things yeah and everything in that song is absolutely true and it was It was interesting because I wrote that song um, with Nick and Pat like years after this relationship, the relationship that it was about was over. Um, So yeah, it was, that was an interesting song to write. It's, it was, so yeah, that relationship, I was in my twenties, early twenties early to mid twenties. And I was just completely infatuated by the idea of this person. They were so closed off and unavailable emotionally that it was almost impossible to tell like, what was my idea of them? What was the real person and because of that I I was just like searching for ways in I was like trying to find the pathway in um because there was this just like huge wall up but I was in I was infatuated so in order to figure out the way in I was like well it must be um these things that I've like as a detective (laughs) kind of figured out about them being like just crazy. Like, I don't want to say crazy, but just, yeah, just like crazy things. Like, um, I hope that this is relatable because it's embarrassing, but like looking at who they'd fought, they followed on Instagram and being like, okay, 
they follow this kind of girl. So I'm going to be like that kind of girl. Just so I was just, um, trying to figure out anything that would make me appealing to them. Even though we were like already in a relationship, (laughs) but and and at this at the same time it was really interesting because i learned a lot like through this kind of seeking and trying on different styles and trying on different types of people i like um ended up learning a lot about different like subcultures which is kind of interesting and side but um like i'm not a person who would wear dolls kill and I don't want to be, but at the time I was like, maybe I should be that kind of person. Um, and I tried it on for a bit and, and to, and to go back to like talking about eating and body image, I was so, um, it was an interesting time. I was just like so nervous all the time the way I would describe myself in this relationship was I was like a, I was like a chihuahua. I was just like shaking. You know how they tremble? Yes. I was just like kind of trembling all the time and I couldn't eat. I was so nervous. I was so skinny. And um, yeah, and, and I got, it was just a really bad time. It was a really, really bad time for me. I, it was just like the beginning of a lot of darkness (laughs) and, and it took me a really long time to recover from that relationship because I'd like completely lost myself. And I think that there is also in this song, this sense of like, like there's almost a sense of glee in the chorus because it is sad and it is about something that you regret a little bit, but there's also like a tiny hint of humor in it, um, which is kind of how I feel about that relationship where I was like, it was extremely painful it revealed to me some really scary things about myself. And at the same time, I learned so much. I grew so much. I got a lot stronger. I became kinder to myself. And like, that's something to celebrate. It absolutely is. Yeah. And I think that like without that relationship, I'm not sure. I think I really appreciate how dark my life got because I was given the opportunity to figure out how to change that and fix that. And I think that when you, I see people that I'm friends with and I see people who never really go that dark or that that like don't ever go there and so they're just kind of like coasting along on this gray area and I think it's like kind of a a gift to 
get so lost that you like need to claw yourself out of that rather than being kind of like semi lost for your whole life, (laughs) which I like, which I also relate to. I'm not, I don't feel like I've discovered everything and that I'm like a perfect person now, but I definitely appreciate that, that I've had to face, um, yeah, like really, really dark depression and, um, sadness, anxiety, and those things that I've, that I've grown from, but they, they, I mean, they're still in my life. I think I just deal with them differently. Yeah. I mean, having lived through a lot of that kind of stuff myself, I can say the same. I, I've often said that going through difficult depression forced me to kind of stare at certain things in the face that I wouldn't have had to because it when it becomes almost to a life or death degree or for in some cases it is a life or death degree it's like you need to fix this now because if you don't not good you know it's not sort of like (laughs) it's not sort of like it's shit but it's like you know you're you'll be fine ish it's like no 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 no. if you do not deal with these bad coping mechanisms and these things that you're doing now like it's gonna break you so like sort your shit out and I feel like and I mean hey I'm still on my own journey I mean I'm I'm gonna be 27 in a month, so I'm I'm still in the the thick of my 20s. But <laughs> even just the difference I feel from my early 20s to my late 20s, having lived through mental health stuff, having lived through, um, you know, not so much relationships, but just crappy romantic situations or whatever that again forces you to live through these things. Um, it has made me grow and stretch, and I'm also a big believer. You know, I'm someone, and I, I don't know if this is something you can relate to, but, you know, like, I'll read a, a million articles on, like, how to spot red flags in people, or how to do this, or how to, you know, basically be prepared for certain types of situations that might come up. And then they still end up happening. But I've learned something. It's not that you didn't prepare yourself. It's that real, one, real life situations don't always look the way that they do on the page, you mm-hmm. know? Um... And two, sometimes you have to have the actual experience to like really internalize the lesson in a like intrinsic way, in a way that it becomes instinct for you next time. Um, Again, you have to live through it rather than read about it or see it happen in someone else in order to really internalize the lesson. Totally. And I think that like rationally, yes you can understand something after reading an article about it. But I think that what it doesn't, what that doesn't, like when we're going through life, there are chemical things that are happening to us that like when I, especially with love or lust or infatuation, you're like chemically drawn to this person. It's so hard to resist. Um, Especially when you're in a time in your life where you're not used to resisting. And I think that, like, um, in my 20s, and I don't know if everyone is like this, but 
things feel so overpowering and like if it, it would it would feel unnatural to resist certain urges um and i think part of what has happened is that those urges have not that they've muted but i think that i understand that like if i have a desire or an urge it will pass if i just let time pass and i don't actually have to do anything about it and I think that's kind of like how you really learn to avoid those red flags. But I think like, and I think some younger people are just like naturally good at that. I know people who are like, oh yeah, he's mean. So I don't talk to him. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay. What? (laughs) Or like, yeah, I went on a date with her and, um, she said this and it made me feel uncomfortable. So I told her I didn't want to see her again. Like I had to learn that. I think some people just maybe have a little more (laughs) self-respect or something. Like I think that, but it's more complicated than that because I think Mm -hmm. the other thing that I had and I have is this like part of my personality that I actually really like is that I'm extremely interested in people. And when somebody is a little messy or ugly or mean or complicated, that actually makes me more interested. And so, so it's not even that I'm like, it's not even that I lack self-respect sometimes. It's that I'm like, ah, what's going on here? I'm interested. I want to know more. Or I'm like, I want to help this person, which is another complicated situation. But I think just going back to what you said, like, I think, yeah, I think that I absolutely have to learn things myself. I'm not good at just like listening and taking the lesson because I want, part of it is because I'm like, I want to experience my life. That's the point. And I think doing everything right, like reading all the articles and then just like following the guidelines, like we were talking about at the beginning, is like, that's actually not that interesting to me. I want to experience life. I want to make mistakes. I want to figure out things myself. And I think that that's like... um, I think that that's a beautiful thing about my me and it's also something that's gotten me in a lot of trouble. Um, and I think that that's like something that I've learned to balance a little bit better is like, okay, sometimes it's actually easier to just learn from the collective <laughs> and, and I don't need to experience it. And I can just decide that in this case, I'm going to trust people around me that they're like helping me and they're guiding me in the right direction. Because I think that sometimes it does take just like a little bit of faith. Like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to let people help me because obviously something that I was doing wasn't right. If that makes any sense. 
It does. I think I feel like every time I answer a question, I'm like this, but also this. But, <laughs> but that's normal because our brains are complicated and everything. It's, it's this sounds cheesy. Everything contains multitudes, but it does. Um, on that note, though, I kind of want to flip to another song that I, it feels a bit like the other side of the coin and that it's just the straight up like rather than let me try and please this person. It's mm-hmm. like, go fuck yourself and get out of my life song, which is. Get out of my house. Um, the reason I want to talk about it, though, is... I mean, obviously, the contents are important, but it's more just, like, this idea, especially because so many of the songs on this record are, like, very, like, intricate and nuanced, and this one is very, like, black and white, strong hook, fuck you, carnal. And I think that's kind of the point of it. It's just, it's nice that you can also have that be present. It doesn't always have to be, I mean, the complicated stuff is beautiful and important, but sometimes you can also just have a moment of pure catharsis. I think you also talked at one point separately from this about like, you know, having to choose between like pop and indie. And even though this is very much more like a punk leaning song, these ideas of just like simple strong hooks and their like emotional power and kind of just leaning into that, I think is really cool. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts on all that and how that plays into this this song, this record are, but I, I would love to, to hear what you think about that idea. Yeah, I think that, I think that in music, it's important to like let ourselves be a little bratty sometimes. And I think that in in talking about my tendency to overthink or want to include, um, I think there's, yeah, there's like, I honestly think that it has to do with, um, I'm a Gemini. <laughs> and I, and I feel like in certain ways, the way that that's presented itself for me and the way that I've kind of interpreted that part of myself is that not necessarily that I'm two-faced, but that I contain so many different facets. And at the same time, it's hard for me to like divorce them from each other. And I want to, I think that I have this tendency to want to um, honor all of those at the same time which is, which, which I think is like something that makes my mind fun and interesting. And like, it's fun to be inside my mind sometimes, <laughs> but I, it's also, I think something that holds me back sometimes because it's harder for me to put out music. That's just like this one emotion. And I'm not going to give, I'm not going to like, um, there's not like a million levels of subtext, you know? I think, yeah, I think that there was, um, it's, and it's honestly like something that I probably want to do more of is write more music, more songs that I don't feel the need to include every opinion I have on the subject in the one song. Not that my music, like my music can never, it can never do that because the structure is so limited because it's, you know, a song is like 
two and a half to five minutes usually. And, and it's not like an essay. You're fitting the lyrics within like a rhythmic structure and a melodic structure. So you can only say so much, (laughs) but I think that, yeah, I don't write a lot of fuck you music because I think I don't write a lot of fuck you music because I don't believe in fuck you, kind of, (laughs) you know? I get that. I, I like, I don't believe in that. And, but sometimes I do feel that. I have the feeling, but I, but I think that in my like heart of hearts, which is like the part of me that exists, um, deeper than emotion like my true beliefs which I do think like exist somewhere deeper than my emotions I don't believe in fuck you I just don't think it's very nice (laughs) but I think that (laughs) but I think that like sometimes I feel fuck you sometimes I definitely feel that um it's interesting because that song, sometimes when I'm not feeling it emotionally, it's like kind of hard for me to play. I'm like, ah, I don't really believe it right now. <laughs> but I think there's, a, yeah, there's, in, in those instances, I think there's always something that I can turn to that I feel that way about, whether it's like political or personal. Like there's somebody that I want to like, say get out of my house too but I don't even remember what your question was <laughs> I think in its in its own way I think it perfectly answered it so we can kind of leave it at that cool. on that one um but yeah I think I wanted to stop by mommy because it feels like not an outlier in the sense of like it's doesn't have a place it very much has a place but I actually had a very similar conversation with an artist called, or not very similar overall, but a conversation with an artist called Curtis Waters. And he wrote a song or an album that is very like internal and introspective, but he also included a song about his parents and kind of more about their story. So for you and in, with this record, why did you want to have this song be part of it? I think that, I think that it gives the record more of a I think I feel like it grounds it and also gives it context and feels like it deepens the spiritual questions of the record um Because I think when I'm thinking about my life, I do have a sense of, I do have a sense of, there's like a weight to my decisions about what I do with my life and how I approach every day. Because I do think that like, being given the opportunity to live is a gift and it's rare 
and it's so fragile and it's so unlikely that these like two people came together and had children and I happened to be one of them and it would have been so easy for that to not have happened and yeah I so I think just like even just including this song at all spiritually deepens the record so it, it creates this context in which it's not just like me out here <laughs> um making mistakes and trying to fix them it's like n- no this is important this is one life that i've been given and and i want to approach it in a way that feels respectful to my parents and feels respectful to their sacrifices and to the sacrifices of my ancestors. And I think that does feel important to me. I also feel like there is this spiritual um, heritage on my mother's side that I feel some responsibility toward. And I think I'm still trying to figure out how to honor that. Um, And also I talk about my mom so much on the record. It kind of felt like it made sense to, to include this song that's more like directly about her, but But at the same time, it is still about me. It's about like how I feel about my parents. And um, I don't like, I think it would actually be interesting to write another song that's more directly about them and about their lives. And I think that's kind of what Mommy is about is it's not really about them. It's actually about the gap between the truth of their life and my ability to comprehend it. Cause I, I only know this, like I only know a fraction of, of who they are and what they are. Like there's a whole, my mom was 40 when I was born. So she had like a whole ass life before I came into it. And I know so little about that because she's just like, she doesn't really talk about herself that much. Um, And also because even if she did, that's so different from like what it actually is to experience every day of a life. So my understanding of it would all, would always fall short of what it actually was. Um, so, so yeah, I think the main reason that I wanted to include this song was because I just love it. I think it, I I really like the song. And then I also think that it broadens and deepens the scope of what the record is about. It's, it's like, I think there's this like zooming in and zooming out that the record does. Um, and I think that this one is a bit of a zoom out. It's like showing you the time scale that we're talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the last thing I'll say, um, as someone who grew up Roman Catholic and who knows 
very little about Buddhism, so I'm not speaking in any way as an expert. Um, but the tiny little bit I know about it, and I feel like the lessons that you're talking about learning at like on those final three songs, which I think we indirectly touched on earlier, so we mm-hmm. don't have to go and unpack them again. But you know, like there's that line: "Our life is small, but it's big enough for me." Um, I think this beauty of recentering on the present, on the ordinary, on the small things is sort of, again, from the little bit I know about the Buddhist ethos, I feel like that's in its own little way, it might be honoring it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think, and I think so clear also has a bit of that Buddhistic feeling as well. Like, um, I'm trying to remember the lyrics. <laughs> it's okay. I'll cut no, this little like, part out because I also like, want to keep but, you too long. But yeah, yeah, that um, the lyric of 10,000 days of waking up, I pull myself out of the dust. I'm sun and sea, so suddenly, so clear to me. So that, that song is like, I am the same as the sun and the sea. I am, we are all one. We are all the same. We are all made of the same thing. And I, that like interdependence um, is definitely like a, Buddhist idea and I think it's something that I come back to when I'm feeling really lost is like oh I, I, I'm i just a speck of dust I am just a part of this universe and for that reason I am both insignificant and the most significant thing (laughs) you know we're all equally insignificant and significant and i think that that gives me great comfort roach is available now wherever you normally get your music this podcast is hosted edited and produced by myself sophia lobercaro and the artwork is by meg welford If you liked this episode, please make sure to rate it, to follow us, and to ring the bell for future episode notifications. I know it sounds like such a small thing, and I'm sure you hear it from lots of different podcasts, but it really does help me to grow and to continue to get to do what I do. So thank you very much.